All right, everybody, welcome in to the Auburn Live Football Show. Appreciate everybody for joining us. I'm Justin Hokinson. With me, as always, is Cole Pinkston. Cole, what's up, man? What's new? Uh, not much new, man. I was at the beach this weekend, got to watch Auburn uh, take care of business, and feel pretty good about the trajectory of the football team right now, honestly, going into New Mexico State and then the Iron Bowl. And you're bowl eligible, so a lot of good things. A lot of good things happened this weekend. Um, I would agree. I would agree. Let's get into all of that first. Let's give a shout-out to our couple of sponsors of the show. First, Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn right there on Magnolia Avenue. Go check them out. Uh, Session Cocktail, happy hour from 4 to 6. Um, awesome place to go get some drinks, hang out, um, sit at the bar, sit on the couch. They have a lounge right there you can sit into. Um, a lot of specialty drinks. Of course, they'll make whatever you want. Um, but go check them out, Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn. I would suggest if you live in the area to go try Happy Hour, uh, it's, uh, it, that's, a, that's a really good time to go. So go check them out. Appreciate their their support of our show, um, the good people there at Session Cocktail, as well as GameTime.co. GameTime.co if you need last-minute tickets for uh, games or sporting events or comedy shows or whatever you got going on, go check out GameTime.co. They have an app as well. Promo code War Eagle get twenty percent off your first purchase, um, and they'll uh, they'll match uh, any difference that you get if you find tickets cheaper somewhere else. They'll match um, that that difference plus some, so there's really no risk there to go check them out. GameTime.co great opportunity to get last minute tickets um, to kind of your favorite event. All right, Cole, let's talk about it. Auburn takes care of business against. Uh, Arkansas, who, boy, I think we were all wrong on this one. I think we all gave Arkansas too much credit, and including Vegas. I mean, Auburn was a two-point underdog. Um, you know, I think I – don't, I don't think we were wrong. First of all, Auburn had played Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, not exactly world beaters. So while Auburn was playing better, you didn't exactly know how much better because those two teams aren't great. Arkansas comes off a really nice win at Florida. Uh, changes the offensive coordinator, and you think, okay, they've got a little momentum. Um, different offensive coordinator, K.J. Jefferson, maybe maybe they got a little spark. And you look at their schedule. I mean, look, those close losses are worth, you know, paying attention to. When you go to Alabama and lose by three, and you go to LSU and lose by three, and you go to Ole Miss and lose by seven, you know, I mean, it takes a decent football team to go do that. You're not a bad football team if you can go pull all that off. And so I think all that combined just sort of led you to believe that this could be a tricky game for Auburn. And it was anything but complete blowout from the get-go. I mean, touchdown, three and out, punt return, ball game. That thing was done. And then Auburn made it 21 with six-something minutes in the first quarter, and this thing was over. Arkansas looked lifeless, um, which was shocking coming off a win in Florida. They come home, and they looked completely lifeless. Um, and Auburn looked like the hungry team, the team playing for something, um, and Arkansas did not. Really, really shocking, I think, on on both both sides of the ball, how, how pitiful Arkansas looked and how dialed in Auburn looked across the board. Offense, the, I, gave, I gave it A's across the board in, the, in my report card. A on special teams, A on defense, A on offense. First time I've done that all year. That's really hard for, for, for me to just give A's across the board, but that's what Auburn got. Um, what surprised you? What stood out to you in this forty-eight to ten win? 
Yeah, I had I had Auburn winning when we did our predictions, but I I had I gave Arkansas's offense a lot of credit because mm-hmm. of KJ Jefferson. I mean, when I did the edges, I gave Arkansas the edge on quarterback play. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't expect Auburn's pass rush to be so good, and really Arkansas's offensive line. I I need to discredit that a little bit because they were awful, absolutely awful. Um, but I want to give credit to Auburn too because they were. I mean, they're playing out of their minds right now on defense. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I think in, in today's football world, motiv- I think you spend – I think head coaches spend most of their time trying to – worrying about if their team's going to be motivated. It's very unfortunate. It's where we are in this world of NIL and just the generation, dude. Uh, are you going to be motivated? How much do you care? How much do you care right now? I think that's going on all across college football, and it's almost impossible to make a bet on anything or to say this team's going to win this week unless you have a really good motivator as a head coach. And I think Hugh Freeze is, and he knows what he's doing as far as that goes. Um, On Arkansas' side, yes, you just had a big win at Florida, but you've been let down all season. And, you know, even, even that win wouldn't have put you in bowl eligibility, if I'm not mistaken, right? Were they at four wins? To Arkansas, yeah, they needed to win out, which yeah, they have Auburn, Florida International, and then you know you win those two, and you have a big one against Missouri. Probably, obviously, the way Missouri's playing, lose that one, but I mean, they had yeah. a shot. Yeah. Well, motivation's a big deal, and, and Auburn is the motivated team right now. They got something to play for, and Hugh Freeze done a good job, and the staff, not just Freeze, of of saying, look, I don't think y'all understand, and maybe they didn't at one time how important a bowl game is in our first year here. And I want to go back to the whole roster thing and where he's talking about, you know, um, he, he makes these comments where people have been like, well, you shouldn't do that. It, you know, you might hurt somebody's feelings on the team. Well, it's not against them saying that you don't have the roster you need right now. You just need more of them. You don't have depth on defense. You know what I'm saying? We talked enough about that. <clears throat> My point is, um, Hugh Freeze has figured out how to motivate them and, and get them to buy in and understand. And whether that continues or not is the most is the hard is almost as hard to figure out as when a recruit might make their commitment right now. But it seems like it's going in the right direction. Yeah, I remember Freeze talking about after the uh, Ole Miss loss, needing to keep the players engaged. Mm-hmm. That was his big message. You know, hey, look, it's been a rough go, but you guys got to stay engaged. You got to stay connected. Um, and uh, and they did. And winning at home against Mississippi State was that was kind of that turning point game. We talked about it that week, almost being a must win for Auburn. Yeah. If they wanted to go bowling, of course, we didn't know Arkansas. You know, they would probably still be going bowling, assuming they beat New Mexico State. But we just talked about the importance of that Mississippi State game. And, and it was huge. It got the ball rolling. Um, and I think close. I think some close losses helped. Losing close to Georgia helped. Losing close to Ole Miss helped. Kind of keep the team like, dang, we're 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 not far away. You know, um, that helped keep them engaged as well. But I mean, that's as dominant a performance. You can say what you want. Arkansas's got three wins. I know they're they're struggling. Um, but it's on the road in the SEC, and it's not Vanderbilt. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so. That that's the type of beat down 
even if it's a three-win team um, on the road, that's the type of beatdown that is is I mean, it's just impressive. It just is. That's the kind of beatdown you'd see from an Auburn team that might win nine games. Yep. You know, you go on the road and just demolish a team. Um, it was just it was really impressive. And you're right, the the defensive line for Auburn. Uh, is getting better, or 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 maybe it was both. My gosh, I mean, they completely dominated Arkansas. I think I think Raheem Sanders had nine carries for zero yards in that game. Hmm. Um, wow, yeah, I was I, I didn't even you know during the game I wasn't even looking. I'm gonna double check that right here because I got the stats. Um, yeah, eight carries, no yards for Rocket Sanders. Hmm. Um, and then of course <laughs> you back on the pressures and the sacks. Um. What do you make of Auburn's defensive line? Marcus Harris has played well all year. Now Jalen McLeod's healthy. He talked about post-game. It's kind of the fourth game he's been healthy. You know, because even when he came back, he wasn't completely healthy. He looks 100% now. Yeah. Um, you toss in Keldrick Falk, who's getting better, had a couple of nice plays at Arkansas. He had three tackles. He had a couple of pressures. You toss in what you saw against Vanderbilt, where Lawrence, John- Lawrence Johnson flashed. Zacchaeus mm-hmm. Walker flashed. Um, Bobby Travis got in the game at Arkansas. Um, couple, some, just some some good things there. There's only there's only a couple games left, but some good things there in terms of the depth along the defensive line. Maybe that helps them in the Iron Bowl. Maybe it helps them in the bowl game um, and moving forward. But it's nice to see the defensive line sort of start to take some of those strides because they looked fantastic at Arkansas. Completely dominated the line of scrimmage. Yep. They did. And, and once again, this is a defensive line that's playing with very little depth. And and having your linebacker back in Austin Keys is a huge I mean that's that's huge for what y'all for what you're doing. Now you can use a Eugene Asante in some of these roles where he's a blitzer a lot. He's got five sacks, by the way. I didn't realize that. I looked that up uh last night. He, that Asante's got five. Marcus Harris has Five and a half, I think, or five maybe. And McLeod has five. Actually, I think Harris has six. Either way, um, the defensive line is playing out of their mind. The the depth issues are, are still there. But it, but I said this on the call-in show last night. And I want to say it again. The um, I believe that Hugh Freeze is a defensive-minded head coach. I know that sounds weird because he calls offense. But his plan and his strategy, the big picture was, hey, I know – my defense is not going to make it through this season if I keep putting them in bad situations in games. There's no way. So I actually think that they're a little more fresh right now because of the way that he's managed games to this point. I think he's saved snaps off of their legs, saved snaps off of their bodies, and now you get into these later games, and they're a little more fresh when you get into these games instead of worn down. And he thought that was the best um, strategy for winning these games down the road, which are the uh, you, you better close strong because you see all these coaches getting fired now and all this bad press out there mm-hmm. for all these teams that are going downhill at this point in the season. I think it was genius. I really do. The more I look at it, the strategy is genius. The two quarterback system I don't like. Still don't understand that. But I know what the big picture point was, and it was we got to make sure our defense is fresh going into that Arkansas game, going into that um, Bandy game, going into Alabama. Right now they're fresh. 
Yeah, they're 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 playing well. Yeah, still the quarterback rotation early in the season was 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 still crazy to me. Um, I think what they missed out was just those opportunities to go tempo early in the year, but it's hard to do that when you're rotating quarterbacks and you're not having success. Yeah. That was the thing that stood out to me against, against Arkansas was <clears throat> the first down success, and and it sounds simple, it sounds obvious. Yeah, it's one of those things like, well, yeah, you want to you want to have play good plays on first down. But for a team that wants to run some tempo, it's that much more important. And then for a team that has had their struggles on offense, it's that much more important because it's hard to overcome that. We've pretty much seen that with Auburn. If they don't do well on first down, they're pretty much screwed on that drive. Um, but they were fantastic on uh, first down. I think they had <clears> – <throat> I think I wrote about it, but they had 180 yards rushing on first down. Hmm. They had 90 yards passing on first down. Um and almost a third of their first down plays went for another first down. And wow. that, that made all the difference. I mean, it allowed that you get you, you get a good first down play. That's where tempo comes into play. It, it is the same way with Gus. That first down play means everything when you're trying to when you're trying to sprinkle in that tempo. And they were fantastic. They were so good on first down. And you see the results, five hundred something yards, forty one offensive points. Pretty much could have done whatever they wanted. They ran the ball. The other thing I was really impressed with was the second half. Um, and I talked about, we talked about defensive line, offensive line too. Offensive line gave up a couple tackles for loss, one sack, that's it. Um, but Auburn ran the ball 32 times in the second half for 200 yards. They threw the ball five times. Well, I think five. Robbie had one. Yeah. So let's see if that's right. Five or six times, something like that. Let's see. Peyton threw the ball in the second half. Peyton threw the ball one, two, three. Yeah. So Peyton threw the ball four times in the second half. He was three. By the way, Peyton's numbers in the second half: three of four, two touchdowns. <laughs> that was his numbers. And then, and then he, Robbie had the pick. Peyton had a really good game against Vandy. He had a better game against Arkansas. He was about as good as you can do it. Even Cole Kublik wrote, "That's the best I've seen an RPO operated <laughs> this year." Yeah, I mean, well. And he just was killing them on the runs. Arkansas was just selling out on the edges. And, and I I don't know. I love me some T-Will. But I, I don't know. They were just crashing and, and making it kind of easy for Peyton to yeah. pull and run around the edge. I mean, he was there was some, I, a ton of yards before contact. He was just, he was just jogging around the edge with some, some big gains. I think the plan early on was, hey, if you're, if you're being read as a defensive end, meaning you're not blocked and they're trying to read off of you, Make it difficult by running upfield straight at the quarterback. That makes that mesh point really hard. Yeah. Peyton Thorne just handled it perfectly. I mean, he couldn't have handled it any better. A couple times, you you might remember the um, the slant to Caleb Burton in the first quarter. First play. First, second play, I think. Second play. First drive for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that it, that edge that they were reading on the zone play just came right upfield, screaming at him, and he just he just held his poise. Pulled the ball, sort of took a step back, and the cameraman lost him. And then he throws to the slant, and it's a perfect throw. He did it again on a little third and third and three run, where he's supposed to be thrown to an out route, but he throws, he pump fakes, and gets the guy to come off his feet, and then he takes off for a, little, a first down. I mean, it's just that's just poise, and, and and that was the problem with him early on. He was he was uh, shaky and, and nervous, and he doesn't look like that right now. He looks poised. Yep. And again, I I go back to um, you know something that I I said when I was 
banging my head against the wall about rotating quarterbacks, and that was just the vibe I got from watching Peyton. You go back to the end of the Cal game, and you can see glimpses of it. You get him in moments. You get him in a rhythm. Let him let him have the reins. You get him in a rhythm, and I think that his athletic ability and his gamesmanship and his craftiness, I think all of that comes out when you let when you let him go. When you when you sputter him and you pull him out and you put him in, I think you just halt yeah. a bunch of his good features. And um, <clears throat> and not everybody's like that. Some some guys could just hey put me in whenever and I'll make the play. But Peyton's a rhythm guy. I think Peyton is a rhythm guy. And if you mess with the rhythm, it struggles. But if you let him get in a rhythm, <clears throat> let him get a feel for what's going on, um, it really helps his confidence. And then he can go out there and he has the confidence to make a pump fake and run around the guy and do something pretty athletic um, and, and bold where maybe he could have thrown it away or maybe he could have forced a throw. But he's like, no, I'm athletic. I'm about to make a play. You build his confidence up and he's a, he's a crafty player. But, yeah, I thought he played well. A couple drops. I think he finished uh, 12 of 20. So, I mean, a couple drops, 14 to 20. I mean, it could, could have been better. Obviously, through another just horrific pick. Let's just call it what it was. I mean, it's two weeks in a row where he's played really well minus just a wildly bad decision on a pick. Um, so, you hope that doesn't happen in the Iron Bowl because you can't afford, um, can't afford turnovers in that game. But he made up for it. Three touchdowns passing, a touchdown rushing. So, if you're going to throw one pick – but you're going to come back and account for four touchdowns, you know, that'll that'll do it. But, again, it was the same thing, just late, just stared at him, hesitated, you know, and, and then just tried to force force something, which is just something he's got to, something he's got to work on, which is interesting because he generally will, a lot of the times he'll, he'll tuck and run that. It's just a couple of times where he's been late throwing and it's gotten him in, in some trouble. Fortunately, the defense held them to a field goal. You take that away. And Arkansas, you take that away, and then you take away Arkansas's last touchdown, which is against backups, and they get shut out in that game. Mm-hmm. And he was late on that, that interception. Uh, but also, I think Coy Moore was drifting a little bit out of his hitch, and mm-hmm. both of those things together caused an interception. And you can see that Thorne clutches a little bit when he's – he almost pulls back on it, but he just – I think his confidence is higher right now, so he let it go, and that's yeah. what happens. Um but, you know, I mean, that's really the only blemish that I can think of so far in the game for him. And that's saying a lot compared to what he was earlier in the season. You're right. The, bringing him in and out was a terrible thing for him. You could see it. His body language is different, even on the sideline. He's messing around, making jokes. I mean, he was he was very visibly frustrated, and, and I, I don't blame him. I, I think both he and Robbie Ashford were frustrated, and I think they should have been. Because even though I do understand the big picture and what they were trying to do with the defense and, and trying to bring them along, make sure they're fresh at this point in the season, they the the quarterback rotation still blows my mind a little bit. Again, they know more than I do. They know more than we do by going through practice. But um, you would like to see what Auburn would do with, with a giving uh, Peyton Thorne the reins for some of those big games that they lost that were close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure would have. I mean, at Georgia game, they were in. They may, they may be the same outcome, but you, you'd like to know at least, right? Well, Ole Miss is the one. I think Georgia, you played. That's a really talented team. You ran the ball fairly well. A lot of, you know, you had a couple turnovers. Um, Georgia was there. Ole Miss is the one where 
<clears throat> I thought you messed around and the offense was just a mess against a team that, you know, you go out there with this kind of offense with a Peyton Thorne confidence, with this confidence, um, you know, raised Ole Miss as a team you could have beat. Um, yeah. That's a game you could have, that's a game you could have had. Um, really impressed with Auburn's second half in this game. 21 plus minutes of time of possession, eight minutes for Arkansas. Just really, <clears throat> really ran the clock out, shortened this thing down. Um, when they when they needed to late in this one, I mean, I was going through it trying to find negatives. You know, I do the report card, I do some good and bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to force myself to find bad. I mean, Peyton's yep. kick, okay. Yep. Um, a couple drops, okay. But like, that's it. I mean, it just was not. I mean, across the board, Javaris Johnson, so good to have him back. Revolta yeah. Fairweather continues to do well. Um, you know, Javaris Johnson, Jay Fair, Caleb Burton, when you're talking in terms of building this roster into something, you know, that can compete with the Georgias and Alabamas of the world, I, those three are not a bad start for your inside receivers. I mean, they, 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 are, they have the ability to make plays. There's no doubt, those three. Yeah. It's just kind of unfortunate that they're all sort of the same position. You wish know, you could throw them out and just go, you know what? Would you wish you could go like small ball like you would in basketball? You know, like look, we're just gonna go we're just gonna go three guards. We're just right. gonna put Jay Fair and Javaris Johnson out there at the same time and then we're gonna toss Caleb Burton out there. But they've all been learning that inside position, so I guess you can't toss them out in the outside in the middle of the season, but and, and, and look, it's not surprising. They're the only guys that can get open. They're the only guys that have the quickness. Yeah. To, to separate. I mean, you see it with Camden Brown. I mean, love the kid. Awesome looking athlete, but he's getting zero separation. And it's not just him. I mean, really, I mean, you don't see any, you don't short, shorter's not on the field anymore. Hooks is not getting any targets anymore. Um, I don't know what happened to Omari Kelly. He's had some opportunities. I mean, he had a drop against Vanderbilt, but he had separation on that play. I feel like he's a guy with a little bit of speed, but, um, yeah, there's just there's just only those few guys that you trust, really Javaris and Jay fully, to to get true separation and and uh, and make plays. Javaris is just Javaris now for three years. If he gets the targets, like that, that kid, if the in the right offense, Javaris Johnson would be phenomenal. I mean, if he got enough targets, you go back over three years now, he has these games <clears throat> where he flashes. That kid can can run, and he's he's just a good player. You know, if he was in an offense where he could get eight or nine targets a game, he'd be one of the better receivers in the league. Yeah, he he rarely does not make a big play when given the chance. So keep going his way for sure. Um, I, I after watching you know the garbage time, I guess you would call it in the second half. I am overly pleased with my pick for the number one position group on this team earlier in the season, running back. Boy, they're deep at running back. I mean, Brian Batty. Gosh, how, you got to find a way to get him involved, man. Now I get it. Look, yeah. Hunter Hunter's doing what he's doing, and you you don't you got to uh, you got to feed him when he's hot, and he's been hot. So don't change that. But gosh, I hate to see Brian Batty sitting over there because he is capable of huge plays. I mean, huge plays. That that move he had on his touchdown run, the the little. Uh, head fake inside, gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's NFL level stuff right there. And then he dragged the guy in the end zone. He's a little guy. They just got, Demari often ran over a guy when he got the chance in open field. Mm-hmm. He had a good game. Um, Demari not as flashy as, as Batie, 
but he gets the job done. I mean, he's a solid, solid running back. And then Jeremiah Cobb, you know what he's capable of. Didn't really see much of him. But uh and not until late. <clears throat> I wanted to see Sean Jackson too because we know he can play too. I mean they they're hell let them all play. And that one the way that one was going. It's tough. It's tough to figure out that rotation, but I mean the way Hunter's playing, I guess you can't do anything about it, right? You gotta leave him in there. Oh yeah. He's 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 running well. It's it's really good to see Damari back out there and, and have, have a few nice carries. Yes. You're right about Batie. I mean, Batie's one of those guys going back a few games that you just – he's got some special in him. It's just, you know, how, how do you sort of mix him in when you've got Jarquez and you've got Damari? How do you mix him in and still kind of run your offense? It just sort of is what it is. Think about these guys if, if back in the uh, Nick Marshall days. If you had, And Trey Mason was awesome. Yeah. But – you know, if you'd have had a third back, you had Cam, you had Cameron Arspain in 13, and then in 14, you really just had Cap. You had Corey Grant on some sweeps and stuff. But, man, this this running back room, it's as deep as, I don't know, I'd have to go back a ways to think about Hunter, Damari, Batie, um, and then even Jeremiah Cobb. I'd have to go back and really think about four backs that have some different talents but but are all, you know, like if Jeremiah Cobb was the guy, if everybody else was got hurt and Jeremiah Cobb was the number one running back, I mean, yeah, you'd be okay. <laughs> you'd be okay. Like, yeah, he's, he's young. You, you'd miss a little, you know, he might, there might be some things that he's might, might not be as good at patient running the football, finding holes, whatever, but still really talented. I think you feel like you could still compete. And I don't know the last time Auburn had four guys that you go, go back. Um, that deep. I mean, obviously, 13, you had Trey Mason, Cameron Artis Payne, you had Corey Grant, um, and I don't know who else is on that roster, but. Usually, I mean, Auburn's usually in good shape at running back. It's not often that they're like, oh, you know, the cupboard's bare there. But you go back to like a year like, I guess it was the year after Carrion Johnson. Well, even the year of Carrion Johnson. Well, the years they had Booby Whitlow were Booby Whitlow was. I mean, the, the fact that he was your starting running back. That yeah, was where, where does he land on this in this room? Is he fifth string? Is he behind Sean Jackson? Is he in front of Sean Jackson? Somewhere, somewhere in there for me. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a playmaker. Don't get me wrong, but he fumbled the ball a lot. You know, he's inconsistent. That kind of well, stuff. His vision was horrible. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, even when Carrion Johnson went down in the um, Iron Bowl, Auburn was, you know, Cam Martin had some moments, but he wasn't a, really a number one guy. You know yeah. what I mean? But now you got you got four guys, maybe even five, that could go and be a power five starter and be a hundred yard a game guy. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you had uh, Jarquez finished one hundred nine, Peyton Thorn finished eighty eight. Alston finished with 64, but he finished with 42. Ashford finished with, finished with 32, and Cobb finished with 20. By the way, <clears throat> if Cobb doesn't get doesn't go minus five on his very last carry, where it's just running out the clock and Arkansas sells out, they would have had one, two, three, four, five. They would have had six guys, including four running backs, all would have been averaging uh, over over four or over five. Mm-hmm. I think over five yards of carry for that game. Um, by the way, I looked this up. How about Peyton Thorne? Um, when you look at individual rushers, 
in the SEC. Peyton Thorne is 17th in the league, averaging 42, 42.5 yards rushing per game. Hmm. He's averaging 9.3 yards a carry. Um, but his 42 yards rushing per game, that is more than Jalen Milrow per game. Hmm. Now, Milrow has a bunch of touchdowns because that's not, you know, Auburn's got running backs. I think deeper running backs. That, so Peyton, that's not really Peyton's game. But he's got more yards per game right now <clears throat> than Jalen Milrow, more yards per game than K.J. Jefferson, more rushing yards per game than Joe Milton at Tennessee. Um, heck, he's, he's even ahead of Roydo Williams at Alabama and Ulysses Bentley of Ole Miss. And, I mean, it's just kind of crazy to see what he's sort of done rushing the football. But I think that would shock a lot of people. If you ask right now, especially the way Jalen Milrow is playing, if you said – Who's rushing for more yards per game, Jalen Milrow or Peyton Thorne? The answer would be Peyton Thorne. Hmm. Almost That's 10 yards a carry. That is very interesting. Um, I admittedly did not watch part of the last quarter of the game. I wasn't able to because I was getting ready for the Jamonte Waller commitment, uh, which happened shortly after the game. I didn't get to see Robbie Ashford's drives, drive. How many drives did he get? One, two? He had uh, one. He had one drive. It was pretty much all handoffs. And then when they got down to the Arkansas 23-yard line, he ran a, uh, I guess what looked like an RPO. It could have just been a slant. I can't remember exactly the play, but ran a slant through a pick. Um, behind Amari Kelly, low. It was, just, it was a bad throw. It was a terrible throw. Amari actually probably had a step. And... Um, just a, a throw at the feet. Good play by the Arkansas DB to make the catch, but he, he threw a he threw a pick, and then Holden Gurner had the last drive, um, so just handing it off. Somebody on our call-in show, Justin, last night asked, and, and we forgot to answer the question. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> they asked, "Have we seen our la- have we seen Robbie Ashford's last throw in an Auburn uniform?" <laughs> what what would your answer be to that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, New Mexico State. I mean, you know, he can maybe get a drive in there late. And throw the ball, so I I don't know. I mean, meaningful, meaningful, yeah. We we're not, yeah. We've we've seen unless unless there's an injury to Peyton Thorne, I think we've seen Robbie's last meaningful snaps probably. Well, I wouldn't say that. Last meaningful throw, I would say that he could, you know, he could still do a package. He could look. He could come into the Iron Bowl at the five yard line, you know. And and run a zone read or something and pull and score a touchdown. You know he he still has got that that yeah. package, but yeah. but you know the same way he scored against Georgia. But uh, meaningful throw, yeah, yeah. You're I, not bringing him the ball. I find it interesting that Freeze was so adamant about him having a package in the game, and then all of a sudden it's like overnight. I'm sure something there's again we don't know everything behind the scenes. There are things that happen, but something happened where he said, "Nope, not anymore." Hey, by the way, that package I had for you, Peyton Thorne, runs that now because he has been. He's running the power read. He's running the the zone read stuff. Some of the stuff that he was doing for Ashford specifically, now he's giving it to Thorne, and he's doing really well. the The touchdown that he um, trucked the guy, the first touchdown. Oh my gosh. That, that DB, be, by the way, it's just that DB has just got to be. They're going to get in film room and film room, and that Arkansas DB is going to be like, "I'm sorry, guys." That was bad. I'm I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna hang it up. Like there's a guy. terrible effort. I mean, give Peyton Thorne credit, but the guy didn't even try to wrap up. He just like threw his shoulder and just wanted to get bounced off. That was wild. Yeah, that's that's my 
that was my whole spiel in the beginning of this show about motivation. It's it's like a yeah. it's like a um almost a cancer to your teams these days, motivation and NIL and how they respond to it. I mean, you you know, perception is everything in this world today and it's it's again unfortunate, but man, you have got to as a head coach be a motivator. You've got to figure that part out. You do. Um, you do. I, I also think you've either got to be a master motivator, which I think would be exhausting, or you've got to be what Alabama and Georgia have done, have done, and that is build the build a program and, and make the process such a thing that I don't have to motivate. Like you're, you're so exactly. ingrained in the process. That it's kind of like, I feel like it's, it's for anybody that's got kids. I got a little girl and it's like, um, if you continue to have to motivate them, then they're going to rely on you motivating them. So yeah. either you better be in that for the long haul. Like you better love motivating because they're going to get used to that. Like that's their way of getting up or yeah. you build a program and a process in the way that, that that that, they're, that that I don't have to do that. Like you better be involved, or you're out. Like we're, we got so many guys coming in here, and the process is what it is. That that that's, that's your that, that's your motivator, you know. They're also not facing as much adversity as an Arkansas is, right? Yeah. So when you're facing adversity, that's when you got to figure it out. I mean, like Shane Beamer at South Carolina. We we've now seen, um, you know, Jimbo's out at Texas A&M. Yep. Um, Zach Arnett was the news this morning from Mississippi State. Yep. So they're firing coaches now. What is Shane Beamer going to do now? He's, you know, South Carolina's in, in a rough spot right now, but they're recruiting well. How do you motivate? He seems like a good motivator. We'll see if you can flip it around. But you, if you get on the wrong end of that, them kids give up on you, dude. That's yeah, that's yeah. the generation right now. They will give up on you, and you got to find a way to not let them do that. And that is the hardest job in the world right now. I mean, my gosh, that's impossible. I, I guarantee you that Alabama's and Georgia's deal with it. That's why Nick Saban has to dye his hair black, okay? That's what's happening. <laughs> but I do, I do give Freeze a lot of credit. I think he is a really good motivator um, from just my own impression. Obviously, some of the clips we see some of the, on the, from social, some of the things we hear from behind the scenes, I do think he's a good motivator. Yeah. Um, in a way, I think he's the right kind of motivator. He's not a he's not a temporary rah rah motivator. I think he is a appeal to your drive as a human being to enjoy the process, or appeal to what what do you want to what kind of what kind of man do you want to be in life? Like that type of motivation is deeper and 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 will hold with uh, I think a player and a team deeper than. Um, just trying to fire him up. So I think he does a good job of getting getting guys to sort of buy in to the culture and the big picture. And like any team, there's probably some rough pop, rough spots. When they lost Ole Miss, as good of a motivator as Hugh Freeze is, there's probably some points. I mean, he was kind of asking them, please stay engaged. Like I can only say so much. I need you to stay engaged. I can't I can't make you do that. It was almost it almost felt like a plea a little bit to them. Not that they wouldn't, yeah. but it was like I need you to stay engaged and we'll turn this thing around, but, but you gotta, you gotta want to be a part of it. And I think credit to, I think most of the team, I don't know everybody, but I think clearly there's some good leaders. I mean, you look at Marcus Harris, you look at Keontae Scott, 
Um, you look at Jalen McLeod, um, some of the veteran offensive linemen, Peyton Thorne. There's some, I think, really good. Damari Austin. There's some good leaders and some good dudes on that team that I think really probably deserve a lot of credit. Definitely. And, and I, I like what you said there. Hugh Freeze is definitely good at that part. I mean, you see the videos of him talking to the team and and uh, almost being preacher-like with them. And, and that's where he gets Brother Hugh from, I guess, right? He's but, got that down, doesn't he? Yeah. That's a big part of it. But, I mean, look, coaches have been doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now you got it's It's different now. <laughs> it is. And uh, I think the thing that keeps his team motivated is that even though he's this nice guy and, and he's really, I mean, even when he gets frustrated with the media, like he, he doesn't, he's not a jerk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have yeah. that, that in him. It doesn't seem like, but he will cut you and get rid of you if you do not perform up to his standards. Yeah. He will get rid of you and have somebody else come from the portal or from the recruiting class and, and, and replace you. And there's a fear of that, and it's a healthy fear, in my opinion. And how do I know this? He just grabbed 20-something dudes out of the portal. And if you're not performing on the team right now, you might be in jeopardy. That's just my guess. But I know by how many people he was willing to bring in that he will get rid of somebody if they're not performing up to their standards. And that's a very healthy fear that needs to be out there that goes along with motivation. Even if you're a really nice guy. It's a business, remember? You want to get paid, this is the business. Welcome. What did you make of, um, after the game, Hugh Freeze said he wished he would have put his foot down earlier in the season regarding the offense? <clears throat> Didn't really elaborate on that, and, and, and I'm curious if he elaborates on that during his press conference. Um on what exactly that means. Because, um, I mean, look, uh, the opponents matter. Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, probably none of those teams are going bowling. That helps get some things rolling on offense. But I, uh, but, but obviously they've stopped the quarterback rotation. That's been a plus that we've seen. But I'm, what, did, when you heard that comment, was there anything – what do you think he meant by, um, I wish I'd have put my foot down earlier regarding – because I mean, he's been involved. I mean, he's gotten more involved. We know that. We know that he's gotten more involved. He's gotten more involved in terms of approving the play sheet and play calling. We know he's probably gotten more involved in game day play calling. To what extent? Not exactly sure. Um, but I'm curious what he meant by that. I will tell you after a game. Um, it was an early game in the season. I think it was like maybe Sanford. Um. You know, when Jeffrey and I go down there and talk to recruits after the game, uh, all the staff files through and all, and parents and players and whatever. And I was talking to somebody, um, you know, in the building over there after the game. And I was like, man, a lot more RPOs this week, uh, with Thorne. Cause that was the game where he first started. It was Sanford because he first started hitting some of those RPOs and started yeah. looking better on those in the Sanford game. I said, a lot more RPOs. And they were like, that's the head man. So, in other words, he had enough. I'm going to have more RPOs in this offense, whether y'all like it or not. I think it was more of a terminology thing because he's mentioned that a few times that the terminology was totally different with maybe the way that Montgomery does things and the way that he did things. And it almost was like he couldn't even catch up in time to realize 
what was being called, what is on the play sheet, because the terminology is so different. I think he finally put his foot down and said, we're going to call it this. This is how we do it. And now you're going to call this, but this is what we're going to have on the play sheet. And I think that's probably where it, what he meant by that, if I had to guess. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was uh, – it's an interesting – it's an interesting um, – Dynamic because he's still giving Philip Montgomery some credit, um, and and that's very much a collaborative effort. I mean, it's not like Hugh Freeze is calling every single play. Montgomery's still very much involved, um, but uh, <clears throat> it's interesting um, what's what's going on with that offense, and a lot of obviously some 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 good things happening. Defense continues to play really well. <clears throat> I mentioned um, in the three two one. I talked about it. I talked about it in the report card too after the game. But Auburn's current streak of third-down defense is unbelievable. They have given up seven third-down conversions in the last four games combined, and none of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, or Arkansas, none of those teams have converted more than two third-downs in the last four games. All those teams are two for 11, two for 10, two for 14, and then Arkansas was like one of 12. Um, and then looking it up yesterday, there's two teams that are tied for first in the SEC in total third down conversions allowed. Total third down, yeah, total third down conversions allowed. Georgia's tied for first. Auburn's tied for first. Hmm. That's who leads the league in total third down conversions allowed at this point is Georgia and Auburn. And it's been that and turnovers have been, you know, now they dominated Arkansas more than they've even dominated other teams. Uh, they've been more bend but bend but but don't break. They dominated Arkansas, but that third down defense is becoming something pretty, pretty phenomenal. Seven total third down conversions in four games, seven of forty-eight. I mean, they are getting off the field right now on defense. Yeah, you know, I, we had we sort of had the um, criticism early in the year that the pass rushers were bull rushers only, and now they've started getting off of blocks better. I mean, they get pressure on the quarterback, even without blitzes at times. In the last two games they have anyway. Different opponent, different, you know, different offensive line, I get it. Uh, but that's a very, very good trend, and you want to continue to see that. I just think the defensive coaches like Jeremy Garrett, Josh Aldridge, Ron Roberts' system, they're all on the same page right now, it seems like, and they're just playing. I mean, they're playing out of their mind, really. Nobody expected that. Nobody expected them to be that good. And without no. the depth, they're doing it without the depth. I just want to make that very clear. There's no depth there. I mean, really. You got a team like Vanderbilt rolling eight to nine guys in on the defensive line. Auburn rolls in six. That should never happen. That's not a shot at Jason Jones or Marcus Harris because those guys are playing like their hair is on fire. They just need more of those guys to be able to do everything they want to do. And I actually think that was part of the holdup on offense. That's the whole point I was trying to make and why they didn't want to go tempo, which is what Free said. It's, it's pretty obvious, but that's what that's what they were doing. And now your defense is fresh as a daisy coming in here in your home stretch, and you got – New Mexico State and Bama coming up. And I, I, what if, Justin, you see the defensive line playing with that intensity in a full Jordan hair against Bama? What could happen there? I mean, that could be pretty favorable. Yeah. 
I mean, <clears throat> I think that's going to be the talk the next two weeks. It's going to be – I think that's the challenge this week. The challenge this week is lock this team into New Mexico State. Yeah. Because, first of all, New Mexico State is a good football team. Yes. They're 8-3. they got an offense ranked in the top 40. Um, now, yeah, they haven't played anybody. They're, they're, they played Liberty. They lost 33-17 to Liberty. They actually lost to UMass in the opener. Yeah. But they're on a six-game win streak. They do. Um, and they're, they're, four, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty good. They're a team, if you go out there and just try to think about Alabama and think you're going to toss your helmet out, you'll give up a couple plays. <clears throat> um, and, and you don't want to lose the momentum that you've gained over the last three weeks. I think this team is pretty locked in and hungry that I don't think they're going to overlook anybody. Like, I think this team's in a good spot where they're going to look forward to go playing New Mexico State um, because they're just enjoying success for the first time all year, like really not really good success. And I think they're going to want to hold on to that. So I I think they'll be in good shape, but I think that's definitely the challenge with this team is lock in on New Mexico State. Don't Don't you even think about Alabama. But, yeah, I mean, you look ahead to that Alabama game and, there's no reason Auburn shouldn't be competitive. It'll be a it'll be a tall task because the Alabama defense is really good, um, and it'll you know it'll be more you know you'll come back down to earth a little bit on offense, and and it could look a little bit more like Georgia or a little bit more like A um, and M where things could are going to be a struggle at times, <clears throat> but you're playing at home, and uh, that defense will be fired up and it should be a it should be a competitive game. I mean Auburn Auburn has got a chance now to go in. To the Iron Bowl with seven wins. They haven't done that since 2019. Um, and I'd have to go look up the stat. I can't remember if it's eight or nine. Now, there's a stat forever that Nick Saban had never beaten an Auburn team. With a nine-win team. It was nine yeah. wins. It yeah. was nine. I can't remember if it was eight or nine. Um, but, yeah, um, massive credit to, to Ron Roberts and that whole staff, Jeremy Garrett, Josh Aldridge, Zach Etheridge is doing a phenomenal job with, with the defensive backs. Somebody called in too last night, Justin, and gave a stat that I I think it was Nick Saban's worst record in an away stadium is Jordan Hare, and I can't remember what the record was, but it's gotta be. Yeah. I mean he lost I know he lost it you know, he was at LSU, I know he lost in O two and O four. I don't remember what year Saban got to LSU because LSU lost in two thousand there as well. I don't think he was there yet. Um I don't remember what his first year at LSU was, but they lost in 02 and 04, and then he was gone. And then, of course, he came to Alabama, and they lost in 07. They lost in 13. They lost in 17, 19. 19. So, yeah. So, his loss was that, like six? Um, But, yeah. No, there's there's no question about it. Um, Jalen Cloud playing really well. Not to mention energy is energy's at an all time high and recruiting helps that a lot too. You just flipped a guy that's considered a five star by at least one recruiting service or two um from Florida. You got all these yeah, all this momentum going in recruiting and that helps, you know, fill those seats too, because you know there's something being built on here. How many recruits think, are gonna be at that game, by the way? The Iron Bowl. You think there'll be a hundred I mean a hundred? Dude, it's It'll be easier to just make a list of who's not going. Honestly, I mean, I mean, it's I think they be... can push a hundred prospects. Oh yeah, they'll have that many. They might push. I mean, four and five star prospects. They're probably getting in the forty to fifty range of those kind of guys. 
it's elite. It's going to be that's elite. Going to be, that's what you're growing up. I'll go to, go to games and um and then of course being in the industry, the way you know it's a big game is if you look out there about 45 minutes before the game, and you're looking at the Auburn sideline and there's just there's just rows of people. Like you're like, well, who are all these people on the sideline? Yeah, that's all you got to know to know if it's a big game. When you have that many people. You recruits, of course, other people, but that's always that's always the sign. So you're going to see that at that iron ball. You're going to see a massive amount of people lining the sideline on the Auburn sideline 40, 45 minutes before the game. They're going to have to expand the recruiting section a little bit. <laughs> Give them a whole new section. Yeah. Maybe a couple of sections. Just put them in the student section. Yeah, they'll enjoy it better anyway. Yeah. Put them right up there by the DJ. Yeah. <laughs> um, that lounge they got is pretty nice for people that have never been down there. They just they, they go through a tunnel, and there's a massive – open lounge that they have with a you know big screen tv tons of tvs and so a lot of the recruits and families will watch the game in there and um you know they'll 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 enjoy the atmosphere they'll go through and watch the game in there as well um Usually it's the high profile guys that hang out in there the whole game and don't want to be seen out there on the field yeah, by us yeah yeah we're standing it's there guard with our phones and notebooks like waiting for somebody to walk out they figured the game out now. They just stay in there and play Madden or watch football or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Auburn's got some nice momentum going. <clears throat> I'm sure it feels great for those guys. You go through four four, four games losing streak. Um, to turn that around into a three-game winning streak is impressive. I, I mean, I don't think – I think probably after Ole Miss, I mean, I think I was just probably hoping for two and one. You know, I'm, I don't think I expected Auburn necessarily to go three and up. We thought they could. But I, you know, I don't know that there was an expectation of they're going to go three and zero. I think Arkansas was always the tricky one to me, um, and they kind of faltered, you know, down the stretch a little bit. But well, you remember when we? I don't know if it was on a modcast or maybe one of our shows before the season started. We were looking through the schedule and going, okay, let's just be realistic here. Georgia's a loss. Um, LSU's a loss, and then we thought that A and M, Ole Miss. And Arkansas were toss-ups. Yeah, yeah. So you just needed to win one of those toss-up games to get somewhat ahead of schedule. Um, because on schedule, on par, I guess, what the experts thought was six wins, right? Yeah, if that. I mean, there, were, there was, there was some that said four and a half, even five and a half. Yeah, no, nobody, certainly not more than six, the, the massive, the, the general expectation. Mine was higher. I thought six was the I thought six was the floor, and I tweeted that out and put that out. I said six is the floor, and so I took the over on six and a half. And yeah. Arkansas and A and M were, were the game. Arkansas and A and M were the games to me. I was like, they got to win one to get the seven. You, you're going to have to win one of those. Yep. And they did. Yep. Had to win a toss up game to be ahead of schedule, and they did. Arkansas. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think I think Auburn fans are are probably. Fairly happy at the moment, obviously, three games in a row they've won, but it's important to look at expectations and stuff like that. That matters when you're trying to assess, <clears throat> you know, how good a job Hugh Freeze did. You know, look if you look through there, I mean, they were the underdog at A&M, they lost. They were the underdog against Georgia, they lost. They were the underdog against LSU, they lost. They were the underdog against Ole Miss, they lost. They were the favorite against State. They won. They were the favorite against Vanderbilt. They won. They were the underdog against Arkansas. They won. Yeah. So you could make the case if you went by betting lines that he's exceeded expectations this year so yep. far because he's done exactly what he's supposed to do, except there's one game as an underdog. He won. 
Now, <clears throat> you know, down the road, that change, that conversation would change into, well, why are you the underdog in four games? You know, like the talent needs to get better. You you got to get to the point where you're not the underdog. Um, but for now, first year, you could make the case just simply on the betting the betting favorites. He's done. He's won the games they should have won. Um, he's lost the games they should have lost, and then he has one upset. So you could you could make the case that he's exceeded expectations to this point. Yeah, he definitely has. Nobody expected seven wins, so that is above par. All right, Auburn, New Mexico State, three o'clock Saturday, Jordan Hare Stadium, and then of course the Iron Bowl, which is I guess we'll find that out today. It's going to be two thirty CBS. It always is, and especially yeah. it might be three. It might be three. Um, three what? They've started doing three for some reason. Yeah, so we'll see. Alabama, Alabama plays. Um, I don't know who they play this weekend, but I think they may. I think they play a non-conference as well. They play Chattanooga, UT Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be a non-conference. They just demol. Kentucky's another team that's yikes. Um, that was a bad matchup. Bad matchup because they're bad so matchup. Low tempo, and when you get blitz like that, it's just not good. Yeah, yeah, they got it. Was a, it was a it was a day of blowouts. I mean, LSU LSU Florida was competitive, but LSU ends up winning by double digits. Auburn blows them out. Alabama blows out Kentucky. Missouri blows out Tennessee. Georgia blows out Ole Miss. Um, A and M blows out Mississippi State. So it was a game of it was a it was a day of a day of blowouts um, in the uh, in the SEC. A and M puts fifty on Mississippi State, then fires their head coach. Yeah, yeah, they already had that decision made, and Gee. Um, be interesting to see where who who. Uh, I mean, you know, Jimbo wasn't doing anything. You kind of wish he would stay. Obviously, A and M's is one of those programs that's that's they've got everything. They're in a state yep. with plenty of talent. They've got resources. They've got a massive stadium. They've got a following, a fan base. Like they're they've got all the pieces to be. Which yeah, is what you, you thought Jimbo was going to be. You thought Jimbo was going to come in and bring all this talent, which he did bring a lot of talent in. He just did, it didn't translate into into wins, but it's it's absolutely a sleeping giant of a yes, of is. a program in the SEC. And if you're Auburn, they're going to bring somebody in. I mean, why why wouldn't if if, if you go throw a bunch of man money at Dan Lanning, why wouldn't he, you know, or Mike Norvell or somebody? I mean, so A and M's going to be a program now. They're going to go get, I would imagine, a, a a good head coach, and they've got the resources, and that's just going to be one more program that. I mean, you, I mean, you talk about t- Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, you know, we look at the recruiting rankings, right? I think Auburn was up to – I think I tweeted out that Auburn was up to eight in average per commit for this 24 class, eighth in the country. Mm-hmm. I think that was sixth in the SEC, maybe yeah. maybe even seventh. I yep. mean, so it's like getting – you almost don't even look at national rankings. It doesn't even matter. I mean, Auburn could be – Auburn could finish this class and maybe end up with a 12 or 13, you know, ranked class for 24, and that could be seventh in the league. And then that's not including Texas and Oklahoma. So yeah. it is stupid how competitive this league is going to be uh, moving forward and recruiting. And it is going to take everything that Auburn's got. And Auburn and, plays Oklahoma next year, right? Yeah, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Mm. But it's just, I mean, if you would look at Bama, Georgia, LSU, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Auburn doesn't have the resources. I don't know about as much about Oklahoma, but – Auburn doesn't have the, re- the, the the money, the, the the massive fan. They don't have quite the same type of resources as those schools. So it's going to take somebody like Hugh Freeze 
that's relentless. That's relentless. That understands really... recruiting. That has a great personality to recruit a head coach that wants to be the number one recruiter, basically, that thinks he's probably the best recruiter in the country. That's what it's going to take, obviously, NIL and all that stuff. But it's going to take somebody like Hugh Freeze um, at Auburn right now to to keep pace. Now, Auburn's definitely in the upper tier, top 15, maybe even top 10. But the Texas schools, Texas and A&M, man, they're just on another level when it comes to mm-hmm. money. So don't get don't let the right guy get in there because it, it'll get – It'll get competitive <laughs> real fast. Yep, one wrong decision right now. If you're in the SEC, one wrong decision, which is what happened with Auburn. They made a wrong decision in Brian Harson, and and it it was a it was he was there for two years, and look at where the program is. Like hey, it, it, it didn't way, take long. The Boise job's open. Well, he can have it. I think he might. <laughs> Hopefully, Boise would have more self respect and hire that guy back. But they um, might. Who knows. But uh, but yeah, it's going to take uh, a massive effort from from Auburn moving forward. One bad decision, and you uh, and you can be the 12th best team in the league real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think Auburn's got a guy that understands the importance of recruiting and yeah. is a good recruiter and wants to be involved. And um, I think it'll be interesting in the off season to see what Hugh Freeze does offensively. Does he does he say I'm going to go hire a young OC? And I'm going to take back play calling, game day play calling, or does he stick with his original plan of I need to oversee recruit, I need to be involved in recruiting, I need to be involved in nil, whatever, and and does he do that for another year? Yeah. Um, my, I feel like he needs to do it for if he if he thinks it's that important, if he thinks recruiting is that important, um, I, I feel like he needs to do it for another year and continue to build the foundation if he truly believes in in that philosophy. I don't know that one year is enough. I think he needs to do it another year. But does he want to go through what he went through this year, which was the struggle of not being involved in play calling and do I come back in? Or I don't know that he wants to go through that either. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what he decides to do um, heading into 2024. Yep. We'll find out, though. Um, all right, go to AuburnLive.com, subscribe. Um, take advantage of a dollar for the first month at Auburn Live. Um, make sure and, and turn on notifications and subscribe to the YouTube channel and all that good stuff. Um, and we'll be back this week. We'll have game coverage, obviously, New Mexico State. We've got basketball rolling. Basketball's in Brooklyn this week, facing Notre Dame and either St. Bonaventure or Oklahoma State. I think Auburn should go 2-0. Uh, when, is, when does Auburn basketball play again? They play in Brooklyn on the 16th and 17th, okay. I believe is is when it is. Uh, they play Notre Dame, who's not supposed to be very good. It's a good name, but Notre Dame's not supposed to be very good this year. Um, they're picked pretty low in, in, in the conference. And then they'll play either St. Bonaventure or Oklahoma State. St. Bonaventure's probably not bad. Oklahoma State's a good name. But Auburn Auburn should go 2-0. They, they really should go 2-0 um, in these games. And then you come back and they can get a little momentum after beating uh, Southeastern Louisiana on Friday night. So, it's that time of year, basketball, football, football recruiting, all that good stuff going on. Signing day, early signing day. When is that? December 20th. Man, that is right around the corner. I saw yeah. our, our girl Marina, who's our graphic designer for On3, just sent a, uh, an early signing day graphic. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's, uh, she's We're already here. Busy. It's uh, not only that, it's flip season right now. Flip and, season. Uh, that's... Florida, back a couple days for Florida. Waller, and then they lost the DB to Texas, right? They, had, they lost a couple guys. Yep. Big time. 
uh, another big time guy, and they may not be done either. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming back down to earth a little bit. All right, let's get out of here. Appreciate everybody for joining us. We'll be back uh, this week, of course, Modcast at the end of the week as well. We'll see you over at the corner at AuburnLive.com. Appreciate you. See you. Bye.